I made it. By the way, regarding that fast, my wife told me I should fast snacks. I don't. Fortunately, I don't eat snacks, but I do have post-lunch and pre-dinner meals, which are good for you, I think. So before I start, will you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are here, Lord, to celebrate you, Lord, to leave our cares and worries outside this door and just to focus on you and give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. So two weeks ago, um, Pastor Dan put a verse up on the big screen, and I thought, you know what, I was going to use that verse, but it's two weeks away, so it'll be okay. And then, then last week, he put it up again. So I thought, okay, so what do I do? And I thought, well, it's a great verse, so might as well show it three weeks in a row, because maybe God wants us to see it three weeks in a row, right? Let's just keep recycling this one, because it's a great one. So... Um, here it is. Here's the verse. It's from the book of Isaiah. Uh, and this is what it says. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be called, will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love that. Doesn't that describe God and Jesus so perfectly? I mean, he's our friend, so he is our Wonderful Counselor. And and he does fight our battles, so he is our mighty God. And he is Alpha and the Omega, and, and he is the Everlasting Father. And he is, when all, and nothing else makes sense, he's the Prince of Peace. He pulls it all together. So I came up with another name for him, though. And I'm not trying to add to the Bible, so don't get me in trouble with God. So this is just me. So you can take it or leave it, okay? This is just me. It's just my little description of God. I think he's the great puzzle master. You know what I mean? Here's why I say that. Because like, like 20-some years ago when my whole life fell apart and I, and I did a really good job of screwing it up and it really fell apart, it, it was only God that put it all back together. I mean, he took that 10,000-piece puzzle and, and the pieces were all over the floor and in the carpet and under the, under the couch and on the porch and all over the place. He found them all and he put them all back together. But not the same. Not the same way it was. He put it back better than it ever was before. And that's why I call him the great puzzle master. And here's another reason. When you and I, when we have those questions, you know, the questions to God, like, like the, the who God, like the what God, the, the when God, right? How about the how God? How about the, the can you God, right? How about all the other questions we have for God? When we have those questions for God, he's got the puzzle already completed. It's already done, Right? He already knows. To us, it's a puzzling question, an impossible question. But to him, he can put all the pieces together. And he already has. He's the great puzzle master. If you want to make a movie about that, go for it. It's going to be great. The great puzzle master. I love that. Does that make sense to you guys? You guys, is that kind of, I hope so, because my whole message is based on that. So hopefully that makes sense to you all. So, So if it makes sense to all of us, then here's my complaint. I have a beef with God. Okay? Yes. It's okay, Kathy. He knows. So yeah, I have a complaint with God. And here it is. How come when I say, hey, God, who, what, when, where, why, and how, how come he doesn't show me the front of the box? I could live with that. If he would show me the front of the box and say, hey, Pete, it's going to take eight years, four months, six days, 47 hours, and 37 minutes, I could live with that. But this is what it's going to look like when it's all said and done. I could live with that, but he doesn't do that. 
Tell me if he does this with you. Or if I'm the only one, please don't tell me. This is what God does to me. I say, hey, God, who, what, when, where, why, and how? And God says, here you go. Out of the 10,000-piece puzzle box, he gives me this. And I say, what's this? And God says, what does it look like? And I say, I don't know. And God says, turn it over. You know, to the blank side. So I turn it over. And he says, what do you see? And I say, nothing. And God says, hang on to that for a while. Hmm. Then a few days later, God says, here you go. And the first thing I notice is, this piece doesn't go with this piece. They don't fit together. And I say, what's this? And God says, what does it look like? And I say, I don't know. And God says, turn it over. I say again with the turn it over. So I turn it over. And he says, what do you see? And I go, nothing. And he goes, write today's date on it. And I say, why? And he says, because when I put the whole puzzle together, I don't want you to forget when I gave you this piece. So I say, okay. And I write the date on it. Then, a few days later, he hands me a whole bunch of pieces put together like this. And this one, I can kind of make something out. Like, I don't know what it means, and it doesn't really apply to my question. But at least I can see a tree in a meadow. And I say, what's this? What does it look like? I don't know, a tree in a meadow. He says, okay. But this doesn't go with these. And then he throws me a curveball. He says, remember that first piece that I gave you? And I say, yes. He says, I want you to give it to Pastor Randy. And I go, why? He goes, just give it to him. So I don't really want to, but I will. And the only reason I will is I'm just happy that God didn't ask me to give it to that guy at work that hates Jesus. So I give it to Pastor Randy. And I'm hoping against hope that Pastor Randy goes, oh, my goodness, Pete, thank you. This is the peace that has been missing my whole life. This answers every question I've ever had for God. It solves everything. It resolves everything. I now know my purpose and place in life because you were faithful, Pete, to give me that peace. But he doesn't say that. He says, what's this? And I say, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm half tempted to say, Randy, turn it over. What do you see? But I don't. I leave that to God. Yes. So that's how it is with me. Is that how it is with everybody else? Anybody else get shown the front of the box? Because if you do, I want to know the secret to what the front of the box, but he doesn't. That's what he does with me. Why do I share this with you? I share this with you because right before I went to Israel, Pastor Wayne said to me, he said, this trip is going to be really good for you. You're going to get to see a lot. You're going to understand a lot. But he said, it's not going to happen right away. It's going to come later which is not what I was hoping for, right? That's like bad prophecy, right? If you're going to prophesy over my life, give me something good that I can like actually like cling to and hang on to. But no, he gives me that. I was kind of hoping I'd step off the plane and the clouds would part and the sun would shine through and God would speak and the angels would sing, but it didn't happen that way. No, no, God hands me a piece. And in this case, right after Wayne told me that, God handed me a piece. And I looked at it, and I could make out what was on it. It said, I'm not done. 
And I said, well, what does that mean? That doesn't make any sense. Because didn't Jesus say it is finished? So if it is finished, how come you're not done? It's a good question, right? It's logical. Yeah, how come God is not as logical as I am? That's what I want to know. So that was my question. That's how it is. And I found out throughout life that I'm not dealing with one puzzle. I'm dealing with lots of puzzles at one time, right? I'm dealing with puzzles about work and puzzles about life and puzzles about family and puzzles about my health and puzzles about finances. All these puzzles going on at one time. And God's slowly handing me pieces to the puzzle. But here's what I do know. I do know that God already has the puzzle completed. He already has it finished. In fact, this is what it says in Isaiah 65. And I don't have this on the screen, but this is what it says. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking to me about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. God has it all complete. But you and I, we don't. So how do we complete the puzzle? So my puzzle was, what does that I'm not done mean? And maybe you have a puzzle too that you want to work on. So if you're working on a puzzle in your life right now, let's do it together. Let's take a look at it. Let's dive a little deeper and see if God can open up anything up to us and see where we go from there. So with any puzzle, the first thing that we need to know is, how do you put a puzzle together? I'm not a great puzzle guy, so I don't know. So I went to my standby book. Maybe you have this book too. It's my standby book that says, it's called The Redneck Guide to Just About Everything. Redneck Guide to Just About Everything. And I found a whole chapter that put the puzzle, how to put a puzzle together. It's chapter 17, which is how to make a picture puzzle purdy. <laughs> and actually, this is the whole chapter here, by the way. It's just three steps. So it kind of goes like this. Step one is, Fence her in roundabout. Step two is get yourself a good chunk of middle. Okay, and step three is fill in the rest. So that there is how you put together a picture puzzle, in case you didn't know. Okay, so let's start with step one, which is fence her in roundabout. So the first thing that a puzzle needs is a good border, right? You have to have a good border first when you put together any puzzle. That's what's going to hold it all together. And when it comes to the puzzling questions that we ask God, the best kind of border is the Word of God. What's the Word of God? So the first thing we need to know is, what does the Word of God say about itself? So first of all, we need to know this, that the Word of God, the Scriptures are inspired by God, the Bible is true, and that God's Word is relevant, even today. Okay? So let's take a look at this verse first. This is from Second Peter. Above all, it says, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's how the Message Bible puts it. The main thing to keep in mind here is that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of private opinion. And why? Because it's not something concocted in the human heart. Prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit prompted men and women to speak God's word. And Jesus said this to the Father. He said, sanctify them, that's you and me, by the truth. Your word is truth. And finally, this is what Daniel said, and he put it so poetically. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. 
The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. So we need the word of God to not only border our questions about life, but actually all of life. So we need the word of God to border our family and our relationships and our work and our friends and all the things that we do. Everything has to be bordered around the word of God. Okay. Now, I just got back from Israel in the middle of November, and I want to share with you what I found over there. Are you ready for this? Nothing. There's nothing there. Nothing. I was there two and a half weeks. There's nothing there. The whole country is nothing but a bunch of cities that have been built, conquered, destroyed, rebuilt, conquered, destroyed, rebuilt, conquered, destroyed. It goes on and on and on. There's nothing there. You're going to see a whole bunch of four-foot walls made out of rocks. And in the four-foot wall, you're going to see a squiggly line running through the four-foot wall. Everything below the squiggly line is what they actually found when they dug up the small little two-foot wall. And then they put rocks on top of rocks to make a four-foot wall. So you go to this four-foot wall, and they'll say, this is where Peter lived. And you go to this four-foot wall, and they'll say, this is where Mary lived. But there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there. You can go to the place where Jesus was supposedly crucified and laid. And they built a big church over the top of it. And you can go to the stone where they say he was laid after he was crucified. And you can touch the stone. And you can kiss the stone. People did. You can cry on the stone. People did. You can take out a handkerchief and wipe the stone and hold on to it. People did. But there's nothing there. There's nothing there. You want to know my greatest disappointment of nothingness when I was in Israel? When the bus was driving along and we pulled over next to a gas station on the side of the road, not even a parking lot. And our guide said, you can get out now and take a picture of this valley where supposedly David fought Goliath. And there's nothing there. Nothing And the entrepreneur in me went crazy. Would this not be the perfect spot for an amusement park? (laughs) David and Goliath land. Come on. And you know we got a roller coaster there named the slingshot, right? (laughs) And you sit in the slingshot, right? And what's the first thing it does? It pulls you back. Holds you for a sec and then whoosh, straight out. Like fires you out like out of a cannon. And you go straight down and all of a sudden you go shooting straight up. And what are you shooting straight up to? A big head of Goliath. And you go right for his forehead and boom, right through it and knocks him down. The slingshot. Right? And I'd have this big giant guy on the hill with stilts on yelling at all the tourists. Right? Wouldn't, right? And I would sell three smooth stones for fourteen ninety five to every American that showed up. And they would buy it. But guess what? There's nothing there. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus is alive. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And he's alive today. And his love is alive. And his compassion is alive. And his mercy is alive. And his healing is alive. 
but it's as as alive here in this room as it is in Israel. And it's as, as alive in our community as it is in Israel. And it's as alive in your home as it is in Israel. There's nothing special about Israel. It's awesome and amazing and you should go. But you're not going to find Jesus there any more than you'll find him right here. It's great historically. It's great spiritually. You really should go because I loved it. But you're not going to find Jesus there any more than you'll find him right here. Okay, so it's the word of God. That's what we need to focus on more than anything. This is the way Luke put it. The only thing that truly remains anywhere here or in Israel is the word of God. And Luke said it like this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. All this stuff that we hang on to, our cars and our homes and all the material stuff, it's all going to go away someday. But the only thing that's going to remain is the word of God. And that's why we have to border our puzzles, our puzzling question, and our whole life around that word of God. So here's a question for you. And I'll tell you right up front, it's a trick question. Can you buy into the truth that we need the word of God to be our boundary around everything else in life and everything else we're going to cover today? Can you buy into that fact that the word of God is true and infallible and never changes that it's truly God's word. That's the trick question. And if you can buy into that, we'll keep going. So nobody left. We only lost one in the first service. So I assume we're going to No, I think she had to go somewhere. So anyway, so here we go. So let's move on to step two then. So we fenced her in roundabout, right? And now according to the directions, we need to get ourselves a good chunk of middle, okay? And that good chunk of middle is God. God has to be at the center of everything in our lives. He needs to be in the middle of our relationships and our work and our home and our children and our friends and everything that we do. God has to be in the center of all of that. So let's first start with what God says about himself. And this is all from the Bible. Are you ready? This is rapid fire. So here we go. God says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. God says, I am the God of your father. I am with you and will bless you. God says, I am the Lord who heals you. God says, I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from that place of slavery. God says, I am merciful. And it goes on. God says, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God says, I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. God says, I predicted your rescue. Then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. But wait, there's more. It also says, is that it? There we go. I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. For I am the Lord. If I say it, it will happen. I am the Lord, and I do not change. So here's the question. Do you believe all of that? See, you have to. You have to believe it because you already bought the trick question. You already believe that the word of God is true. So if the word of God is true and God says this about himself in the word of God, then all of this is true as well. You have to buy in to that. This is God defining himself 
to you and to me. Here's another one. The one who was sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this because these words are true and can be trusted. Hebrews 6 tells us this from the Message Bible. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Did you also know that, I don't have this verse up there, but God is, is, God shows no favoritism. God doesn't show any favoritism to anybody. He loves us all the same. He loves us all the same. So you and I can trust God when he says who he says he is. And that's the kind of blessing that can give us peace. The kind of peace that goes way beyond any understanding. So when you're facing those puzzly questions, Knowing that God is exactly who he says he is, how much more comfort does that give us when we look at our questions? Because is anything too hard for God? I love the verse in the Bible where God says, is my arm too short? Is my arm too short to accomplish that? Because somebody doubted him and he had to answer back of who he was, that he can accomplish anything. So our boundary is the word of God and that big chunk of middle is God himself. And our last step is fill in the rest. Now with any other puzzle, this is easy, right? This is the easy part. You got your border lined out. You got a whole bunch in the middle. And all you got to do is put in the pieces that fill in the rest. That's the easy part. But with the puzzling questions that we ask God, this is the hardest part. This is the hardest part because it's all about us. Step three is all about you. This is what God's word says about you. And this is where we struggle. So I'm going to read each one of these, and I want you to repeat them back out loud. Because this is the truth about you. This is what God's word says about you. Okay, so let's go. Here's the first one. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am complete. I am loved. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am anointed and I have purpose. I am beautiful. I am more than a conqueror. I am chosen, holy, and dearly loved. I am God's perfect workmanship. I'm worth fighting for. I'm free. I'm a new creation. I'm family. Which one was hard for you? We look at all those. We hit one that's hard for us. The hard one for me is the one that says I'm chosen. Because I always think I have to prove it. I always think I have to do something to get God's approval. And I don't. I belong to this group called Faith Rx. And Faith Rx is a CrossFit group that meets to work out, and then we have a Bible study right after we work out. And the first meeting that I went to, we had a workout, but the workout was a partner workout. And I hate partner workouts because I don't want to let my partner down. He's counting on me as much as I'm counting on him. But in my case, he's counting on me. And I really don't like him. 
So I did the partner workout, and I know I slowed him down. And I apologize before we even began. I know I'm probably going to slow you down. He goes, don't worry about it. We're just going to do it. So we did it. We did the whole workout. And then when it was all done, we sat down for the Bible study. And, and this was the verse. It comes from Ephesians. And it says, I don't have this up on the, on the screen, but it's, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So before God even created the world, he chose you and me. He picked us before we did anything. Before we showed up for Sunday to help set up, before we helped out in the Sunday school classroom, before we helped out in the kitchen, before we did anything, God chose us. He picked us before he even created the world. God chose me. That's the one that's hard for me. Which one is hard for you? Let me give you one more to say out loud with me. It goes like this. I am not afraid. See, the problem with this puzzle is God's putting it together for us and we come along with this piece of the puzzle that says, I'm afraid, and we throw it in there. And God has to pick it up and throw it out. And we put another one in that says, I'm not worthy, and God picks it up and he throws it out. We put another one in that says, I'm not loved, and he picks it up and he throws it out. That's what's taking so long. We can't figure out who we are, and God is trying to tell us. And all these verses about you, there's so many more that God says about you. But we believe the lies. We believe what other people say about us. We believe what we say to ourselves. We can't accept the truth of what God says about us. It's okay to feel stuff because we all feel stuff. You can go to God and say, I feel afraid. But please follow it up with, but God's word says, I am not afraid. Follow it up with the truth of who God is and what he says. Because then that puzzle starts to take shape when we start to realize who we are in Christ. When we can trust God, that God is who he says he is, and when we can trust God, that we are who he says he is, then that peace starts to fall together. Does that make sense? Let me call the worship team back up as I close with this. So, so in this writing, I... Um, found the answer to my little puzzle. Jesus said, did say, it is finished. But when God gave me that title, I'm not done, this is what he revealed to me. It is finished. Everything that Jesus is going to do for us is finished. But what he's not done with is, he's not done with you and me. He's not done with us yet. He's still working on us to buy into that puzzle that he's already has completed for us. After service, after the first service, so many people came up to me and wanted to talk to me about this. People that had found family here that didn't have family before. Somebody that had gotten a big chunk of money from somebody just out of the blue. And she said to me, who does that? And I said, this family here does that. People that were, that were missing pieces of their lives found it here in this family. And it's not the family of the church as much as it is the family of God. And no, we're not perfect because God's not done with us yet. But God's still working on each and every one of us. So if you would like to talk after service or you would like prayer, I would love to spend time with you. So please come see me or come see Pastor Dan or come see Pastor Randy or come see one of us. 
Let's make sure that you walk out of here knowing who God is and who God says about you. Okay. Will you close with me in prayer? Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word never changes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you never change. Thank you, Lord, that we can drift away and we can uh, walk away, Father God, but you are always calling us back, Lord. You are always pursuing us, Father God. You are always showing us the truth of not only who you are, but who we are in you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have not abandoned us, Father God, that you will never, never leave us or forsake us. We just give you all the praise and all the glory this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.